Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Annie McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we're <laughs> in between times. Laura Jane's very tired. <laughs> I'm very tired. I'm very ill. Uh, things are not great for me this weekend, but I'm powering through because I love Bygones and all who sail in her. <laughs> Long may she sail the waves. Well, for five seasons at least. Um, but yeah, uh, the um, uh, situation is I've been away uh, with work for the last two days. Uh, got back midnight last night. Yeah, it my, was a my, tough time, wasn't it? My laptop's still got a bloody noise on it. I don't even know whether I'm coming or going. But, you know, it doesn't matter because here at Bygones, we accept people in all... We meet people Scenarios. where they are. <laughs> Not where we'd like them to be. We're very supportive and inclusive of all. That is definitely defects. us, yeah, definitely, definitely. Not at all, you know, intolerant in any way. No. Um, but here, um, we are kicking off, I guess, um, getting ready, wrapping up everything season two and, and clearing the decks, ready to start season three, which we're very excited about. Yeah. Um, but before we can do that, we need to answer some of your questions. It's a Question. mailbag episode. <laughs> do we need a new jingle? I'm too tired to make one. It won't happen. <laughs> so that's happening. <laughs> we're answering questions. It's going. It's happening. Okay. We're doing it. Hit me with your best shot. What are your questions? <laughs> um, so, I've got to say, slight gripe. Uh, I, I, I know I haven't been as active on Twitter recently. Things have been busy. You know, I've got a life outside of bygones. <laughs> I'm doing my best, guys. But I've put out some shout-outs for questions on all of our social media channels and only two people <laughs> have come back. <laughs> I mean, they've sent a lot of questions. So yeah. We've got enough here for a good episode. But, you know... I was really counting on some questions from people because normally people are really good at yeah. sending questions in and, you know, it was real thin on the ground yeah. this time. But Look, that's fine. Maybe everyone is busy. It's maybe a, it's everyone is year. busy. Christmas has happened. It is, but just saying, we can't do these types of episodes without questions and we can't make them up ourselves. That would be ludicrous. <laughs> so, you know, if you still want to hear us answer questions, just send some in. It doesn't have to be loads, it could just be one. But just like, you know, little Twitter message here or there on Instagram, email. There's loads of ways you can send them to you us. You know. It's not hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, just putting it out there. But yeah, so we've got our two favourites, um, big fans of ours. Um, there's Zach who sent a bunch of questions and there's also Benji. And before we get into them, um, I just wanted to talk about, you know, what we've been doing um, and how things have gone the back half of uh, season two since we last caught up on a mailbag episode. We've had some pretty cool um, guests on the show. Um, mm. We had we had Steve Trumbull. Yeah. From the 50 Uses for the Word Love. Um, He's also on a, a new Comedy Central show, yeah. Pies and a Pint, I think it's called. Or P- Pint and Pies. Pies and a Pint. Something to do with Pints and Pies. It's something Pies and Pints. Pints or Pies. But it's on Comedy Central it's Online, on Comedy isn't it? Central Online. Is it online. on the TV, sh- uh, TV channel or is it just I online? don't know because I don't have that channel. Oh, okay. So well, I don't know. We won't be watching it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've actually seen the I'm kidding, episode. I will be watching it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I caught the first one. It was very funny. Yes, I yeah. will. I, I, I need to. I want to watch the next one. I've, I've been seeing all the time. tweets about it, and I need yeah. to watch it. So it I is have funny. Oh, it is funny. But um, yeah, no. Uh, I know Comedy Central will put a lot of their stuff out online and not on TV. So I yeah, don't know which it was. But yeah, but basically, it's on there. They're tweeting about it on the Comedy Central Twitter account. Yeah, so you'll so find it on there. So yeah, someone. Is this the first guest we've had that's been on TV? I don't know. Possibly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done, Steve. Round of applause. Yeah, we're very proud. Um, and we also have Liam on again. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, it's just the way you said that. And <laughs> um, he came to... What did he come to do? I was trying to remember what, po- what podcast. What <laughs> what podcast was he on? Ours. Um, what uh, episode? He did the Barry White one. That's it. Yes. He came to talk about Barry White because uh, we needed someone to hold our hands through that because it's such an <laughs> iconic moment and we all loved it yes um, so yeah so thanks to all of our guests from um, season two obviously we have Matt um, Steve's brother Dave um, and Katie um, from mm-hmm. TG TFGIF podcast yeah um, on for the Christmas episode um, and we're looking forward to more guests in season three yeah keeping that under wraps for now but um, that should be good but um, we're working on some good people to come on Yes. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, what else have we been up to though, outside of bygones? What have you been doing? Podcast wise. <laughs> podcast wise. Uh, well, I've, I've gone on, um, Steve's podcast, but that's not yet, um. It's not out yet. Not out yet. But that'll be. He's, good. he's collating his yeah. next season. Yeah. But I should be a part of that. That's unless good. it was a terrible take. <laughs> he's like, no. It's terrible. It can't, I can't possibly put that out yeah. into the world. Um, uh, I don't know. I've been continuing with Pod Appetit, which is uh, going all guns, yeah. which is uh, really fun. If you're into food and the Bon Appetit YouTube channel, you'll enjoy that. Yeah. Um, anything else? Not that I can think of. My memory's terrible. Don't put me on the spot like this. Well, you know, we just like to give people an update on how things have been going. Um, the uh, podcast, as in... Um, our podcast, my God. Um, we've been doing really well in terms of uh, milestones. We've hit over 10,000 subscribers. Uh, subscribers. We've hit over 10,000 downloads, which is hey. really exciting. Um, we're actually at 13,500 at oh. the moment, which is very exciting. Um, so we're really pleased about that. Um, and we're also our Patreon has been wonderful this yeah, year. Yeah, really we've gotten doing that. like some lovely people sending us money for this lovely content. <laughs> Not this lovely content. Well, this lovely content, but also we do extra content. Yeah, Patreon but content. just just the fact that yeah, people um, have been generous enough and kind enough to um, wing us a few quid like here and there like is is so kind so nice um and it really you know it's helps us feel like you know there's an audience out there and people like what we're doing appreciate it yeah (laughs) absolutely we've had some good um fun uh things on on patreon uh in terms of the john cage tier you get uh live Streaming, and yeah. um, we do live rewatches of things. So we've done a couple of Ali episodes, but also the um, we watched Midsummer Night's like Dream with, with Ali McBeal in it. Callista Flockhart Ali in McBeal it. With Callista <laughs> Flockhart in it. Tired. So um, she is playing an Ali McBeal like character yes. in it. So. But that was really fun. Yes. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to doing more of that yeah, next year. Um, but we might have some more things up our sleeves for for Patreon um, because there's uh, more plans are afoot. To put it that way, can't say too much, but. 
watch out on our social medias uh, when things uh, drop uh, and you'll see what plans we are up to when all is revealed. <laughs> um, but it's a good time to join Patreon. If you've been enjoying our content so far, you get early access to all of our episodes and extra episodes as well and uh, we just drop in from time to time extra. to say hello. Extra. Um, so yeah, if you love all things bygones, it's a good place to be and we really appreciate it. Yes. It really does keep the podcast afloat. Yes. Financially and emotionally. The ship bygones afloat. <laughs> yes. Um, so, without further ado, should we get into some of these goddamn questions? Yeah. Um, so let's start with Zach's questions. His first one is, what's your favourite song from season two? Yeah, I really like um, Baby Don't You Break My Heart Slow. Yes. Um, I think that that's the... I feel like that's the theme of that season for me. Like if we're talking about theme songs. Oh, right, okay. Like, yeah. um, I feel like that is the theme for that that season in particular. I think the theme for that season was Tracy singing Tainted Love. <laughs> Iconic. Uh, that's my that favourite. a true, like, yes. great moment. Yeah, yes. truly. Uh, so, but I think we answered those in the um, wrap-up yes. episode. Yeah. But maybe Zach hadn't seen that, uh, listened to that by the time we sent those in. That's fine. Um, he said, if you were John, what would you do if somebody mocked your stuttering or your disability? Disown them. <laughs> Send the hitman out. No, I mean, I for 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 me, like I um, I've been mocked in my life. Many people have. Um, to me, it just shows like there's a lack of trust there. You'll always be wondering if that will it will erode whatever trust I had in that person if mm. there was any to begin with. Yes, and you'll so, always yeah. be like, oh, okay. This person, when threatened or defensive, gets nasty. Yeah. Can get nasty. Yeah. That's, we'll that's take, a punch they will throw. We'll take the low blow. Yeah. And I, it will just, I'll just have a lower opinion of them. It won't mean that I necessarily, I mean, obviously if it's prolonged bullying type mocking, yeah. like to be truly nasty for no apparent reason, then obviously you're not going to be friends. You're just going to no, like no. cut them out of your life. Uh, if you were but you know well. that this person is not an emotionally safe person to be exactly. around. Exactly. And um, actually, like, how much will... You're just going to put a boundary of just being like, I'm not going to let you in. Um, there's only so far you're going to get in terms of closeness to me. I'm not going to share... Yeah, but if you're already close to that person and then they do that, betray you in that way... Um, it's a little harder to just be like, well, that's it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, think no, I, I, I would give them. It would be I like think, a three strikes you're out kind of thing. I, I think <laughs> if if you turn around and uh, and say when you did that, I it felt, really yeah. hurt me. It was really low. It was. I, I think that's unacceptable way yeah. to you know, depending on who this person is, whether they're a family member or a friend or... Um, Someone that's more difficult to just walk away yeah, from. Like, yeah, like, or a romantic partner. I think if you turn around to that person and say, like, that really hurt me. And as someone, you know, you you are someone who should care about my feelings if we're yeah. this, yeah. you know, if, yeah. if this is our relationship... Like, you should care that that hurt me. Yeah. And, like, you need to say sorry. Yeah. 
and it depending it, on how they depending react. Depending how that, they react to yeah. that depends on you know because if it was just a stupid thing that done in the heat of a moment, like if if someone is willing to admit that and be truly remorseful about yeah. that, then I That's think and 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 also you know makes the promise of I will never do that again because I understand that that was a really shitty thing to do like then I think that's different that is different and you know being part of that rational conversation and then respond being like oh my god I I really fucked up and I'm sorry and I want to make it up to you I won't do it again that's one thing but if they're like I don't understand what your fucking problem is then it's like ah okay you're right well this is a problem yeah Um, but it's interesting because, yeah, I think for me, Nell is in that former bucket as opposed to the second bucket. I think she, um, I don't think she has that streak in her to go nasty, but I don't think, I think we discussed it. I was like, she just let her base instincts to be awful, get the better of her. And I don't think that's something she would aim to do normally. But it does make mean that you, John will have the guard up. He'll be like, okay, but she could go there again. Yeah. Um, When we're, when I'm in a vulnerable position, you can um, really strike a cruel blow. Yeah. Like it's in you to do that to me. Yeah. 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 It's, It's just, you know, so yeah, I think if somebody mocked my you know, an issue that I had or something about me. It just depends on how, when you try and explain how they react to that, how I would deal with it. Yeah. Obviously, if it's someone that I don't give a shit about doing it, I wouldn't even bother to try and explain it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's where I came from the disown them. Because if it was just a random person who adds zero value to your life either way, you can just be like, well, you're a fucking dick. Like, I don't need to bother with you again. But if it is someone who you have a significant relationship with... And it's worth taking the time to try and And you don't want to lose that. Yeah. Yeah, like... It, it is worth yeah. um, just being honest and 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 being like, yeah, that that was super cruel. Yeah. Um, can you make an assurance that you won't do it again? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay. Why is Billy still being a dick in this season? <laughs> because it's who he is. He it's lives the core for it. of his being. <laughs> Cut him and he bleeds dick. <laughs> he's like a stick of rock. He's got dick all the way through there. I mean, there isn't really any other explanation. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, you know. He's a butthurt man who thinks the world revolves around him and he can have, you know, he's, he's, he's just... entitled to certain things and when he doesn't get them or when the world tries to prove otherwise, he has a hissy fit. Yeah, has a tantrum. Like, oh, don't, I don't know what... It's, you know... He's it's a product pure, of patriarchy. Pure man-baby uh, territory. It's a social, societal thing. It's yeah. a psychological thing. It's a nature-nurture thing. Like, it's like there's so much. Yeah, I'm thinking you know, but I there's, a lot of, there's, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with Billy, but let's just throw out the suitcase instead. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worth looking at and putting away on any kind of Um Yeah, no, I just, I do think it's, 
getting like last season's activity with Billy I'm like what's the redemption arc like if I was I'm imagining watching this for the first time not knowing what's coming yeah it's like how does he come back from this <laughs> like how can anyone love him yeah in any way well. like why is Georgia still with him like that these are yeah. my big questions at the end of season yeah. two trying to ignore what I know about yes. what comes um so it's like yeah uh He'd still be a dick because he is a dick. There's no he way. Is, There's no is, way of not can. being one. He can be one and get away with it. Still be a successful oh, person. Oh yeah, he's enabled. It's yeah, encouraged almost. Yeah, you know? like he can. His no one holds him accountable. Yeah. not his wife, not his ex girlfriend, not his bosses. Like they were like, keep being a dick, Billy. That's what we hired you for. <laughs> Next question. Renee has gotten better worrying about Ali since Cro-Magnon. However, do you ladies feel that Renee has half-assed worrying about Ali and her mental health? Did she take her eye off the ball? Um, I, I that think was me it's, adding that bit. That yeah, no, I, I just think, like, it's harsh to judge. Because we've got to remember, in the 90s, mental health mm-hmm. was not very well understood. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't think, you know, we're only just... Yeah, yeah, only in the last sort of five years, really. Yeah, it's, it's super recent. Yeah. It's super recent. Back then, like, I just don't think it was super stigmatised and it was just like, I, I think, yeah, but, People didn't have a lot of understanding, so I I think it's I I don't I'm a bit reluctant to be super judgmental on like Renee and stuff but because also, I think she is doing her best. She is, and also I think you know Renee can only do so much because yeah. it's not she's not a partner of Ali. She's she is a friend, and yeah, and obviously as a friend you'd like to think that your friends will look out for you, but it's also not their responsibility. No, you know, in the same way as it would be. For a family man, you don't have that same obligation, no. I guess. Um, that uh, that you know, I wouldn't certainly. I wouldn't necessarily judge my friends if they didn't pick up on no something that I was going through. It's hard, isn't yeah. It? <laughs> I, I think there are better like choice. I, I think it's just hard to imagine what structures would have been in place. Like what would to you help do? Yeah. her? navigate this like because nowadays we can all go on google and and find a like mental health website that can give you some good advice and tips if you're someone who is concerned about someone with mental health problems Mm -hmm. like there are things in place in our society that makes that super accessible yeah and and much and much easier and i just feel like that wasn't really yeah i cannot imagine like in the 90s like i i guess you just called a doctor but then it's like who's doctor can you speak to her doctor because well, is there the a thing, confidentiality like, thing you, here like there's a certain thing about like there's only so much she can do Ali yeah. needs to instigate professional help she herself could, at yeah. some point you know well, which is what she's doing but it, it's just like is it the right help like yeah. is it the appropriate help is that the right therapist for her like it's it's just yeah, I. but these are all decisions that Ali has to make for herself. Like, Renee can't come and in and, fair, and dictate what is best for Ali. She to, doesn't know. No, and to be fair to Renee, um, she has... 
I think for a lot of season one, she was kind of turning a blind eye to stuff that was actually quite worrying. Yeah. Um, and sort of dismissing it as, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Like, Ali's just weird. Yeah. Um, because that's easier. You know, as someone living with someone, you don't want to be like, oh, God, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, fuck <laughs> What does this mean? Like, what could she... What, what, what do I have to do? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, for an easy life, it's yeah. like... Completely. It's all fine, it's just Ali's weird. But at the towards the end of season two, where Ali is really spiralling, mm. things were happening. She was experiencing episodes that could not be ignored any longer. Yeah. And when that happened, Renee, to her credit, did recognise that this was... Yeah. stepped up a gear and actually I can't ignore it anymore yeah. I need to recognise that this is a problem and that she needs some support extra support and as you yeah. say the problem was that what that extra support looks like was not clear to Renee there no. wasn't any kind of um, you know Google or something no, to be like, like uh, yes, help. like the internet. Existed. She could Google dancing baby gifts. That was about it. But it's <laughs> like yes, the internet existed, but it was really there were no resources. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was really in its proper infancy in the nineties. I it remember not as, as having to type out every single like you'd read about websites on in the paper in or a magazine, and it would be like these really long URLs, and you had to type exactly. them in. Like there was no there way wasn't of finding them. No, like there were search engines like Google did exist but it was really like not what it is it's now not, it was not user friendly no. to like surf the web yeah. was actually like Nerdy. super hard yeah for the nurse. average person yeah. yeah so I just feel like you literally had to know where you wanted to go in order to get there to type it out like yeah, character exactly. character <laughs> exactly like, like slash Random <laughs> sequence of letters slash dot uh, underscore URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like numbers, insane. numbers, numbers. Insane. It was stupid. Like and and I just yeah, I, I just think by comparison today, thank God it's gotten much, much better. better. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't think the resource the, the resources were there for yeah. her to to really be like super effective. Yeah. And this that. leads on to Zach's next question, which was, why didn't Renee let Ali have her recovery time from her hallucinations and from work? Remember when Ali was like, yes. I'm going to take the day off, and Renee just sent everyone from Cajun Fish down there. Well, not everyone, Richard. Yeah. Um, I think because she didn't know what to do, because yeah. she wasn't getting, there was no way of her accessing advice yeah. easily. So she was doing, like, I think there's an old, there's a mentality where, um, and I don't know if this was part of it, but I can imagine, you know, 10, 20 years ago, if people were feeling kind of like having, like they were having some depressive symptoms, the attitude would have been like, oh, buck up. What you need is to just yeah. get out there and it's fine. Like, just go yeah. to school, go to work and you'll start feeling better. Yeah. Like, that was people's... Just get on with it. Just get on with yeah. it. And so I think that was Renee's like, oh, she just, she can't stay at home because she's sad. So that what will make her not sad is to let her... You know, yeah. like someone needs to go there and talk to her, and it's like I think she was trying her best with yeah. the like received wisdom of the time. Yeah, but obviously that's not what we would how we would handle that. Necessarily no, that, not, not necessarily. <laughs> no, I, I th and I think yeah, I think it just speaks to the time. Yeah, I think that's all it is. Yeah. Um. So next question: Would Ling's character exist on modern TV? What in terms of all the kind of like. The way she's portrayed. I think there's room for Ling in modern TV, but I, I think that there are just elements about her character 
that are problematic. Yeah, she's a problematic character. There's certain things that they they have her do with her, have her say, yeah, um, accentuate with visuals and noises. They really lean heavily into um, sort of Asian exotic exoticism. Exotica. Exotica. How do you say it? Exotica erotica. Right. Yeah, no, they really they, they really lean into the whole Asian exotic Mysterious. erotic um uh, just Trope. yeah, that is super problematic because it is it's a fetishization of a race yes. of people. Yes. And uh, that is, you know, something that I've heard Asian women and you know maybe more especially like Asian American women who yeah. have to live in a country where you know they they are fetish they they are often what a lot of races most races are that aren't white are fetishized yeah. in one form or another yeah that, that is part of a racial oppression yeah you know like it black women are hypersexualized. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it comes sort of... from years and years of white race people, white race people, white people, yeah, um, seeing other races as just there for what they can provide to the white race. It's just being exotic, yeah. just being a novelty, yeah. Like and but and... like you know, that's why they're different. They're other, yeah. So. Um, what are they? We don't want them to be like one of us. So, what can we put them to use for? Oh, slaves. Oh, you know, sex objects. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like, like it's uh, not seeing them as human beings and well-rounded in their own rights, and it's just like it's oppression, as you said. Yeah, like, it's it's a form of oppression to um, fetishize um, other races. Like it, ju- it's a part of that racism. Um, and they do on Ali McBeal with Ling lean into this idea of, you know, her being almost a geisha figure. Yeah. Like with Richard, like having these sort of mysterious, like not mainstream sexual tricks that, you know, cut, you know, it, it just, it. But it's nonsense. It is nonsense. And I just feel like, but there, I, there's totally room for, the elements of Ling that make her a really fun character to watch. Yes. Like, she is super blunt, which I love. Like, I love that she's so, like, accomplished at, like, everything that she turns yes. her hand to. And she's also not submissive. In no, the no, not at all. Which is also a trope with Asian women yeah. a lot. Like, you hear about, uh, you know, sort of white men who love the idea of an Asian wife because she'd be submissive, basically. Yeah. Like, uh, geisha in bed. Because she but, has like, those yeah. elements of <laughs> geisha in bed. But... Geisha in bed, but, like, super submissive, like, uh, doting submissive. white Ge- wife. Are geishas submissive? Geishas, like... I mean, I'm not an expert. No. Um, all I'm going on is literally... <laughs> the one book I've ever read is Memoirs of a Geisha, but that's written by a white man. So, well, yeah, like, exactly. so how accurate that is. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, the only thing I know about geishas are from that novel and the film, mm-hmm. all of which is produced by, like, 
a western white person so not um, the best exactly not at all but so I, I don't know and i could be wrong but i i always thought of geishas as being basically like um uh, a woman who is there to serve the sexual needs of the man of the house so submissive to an extent i don't know that but I, could be, I don't, I don't I actually don't, know enough about it. No, I don't. But from my understanding is actually what, what, like I say, in my limited understanding is, is that geishas are actually hostesses. Yes. They're hostesses that are there to be walking works of art. Right. Like they are supposed to look beautiful, walk beautifully. Yes, yes. Like, be able to be very accomplished with dance or music or, you know... um, An object. It's like a position. Yeah, like just a pretty... Someone who is... Knows how... it Understands the art of conversation and and being, you know, pleasant company for men to be with. Yeah. And then, yeah, this whole, like, sexual side of it, like, in Memoirs of a Geisha... It's the idea is that you train as a geisha and then your virginity is put up for auction, basically. And then the men bid for, like... And then your virginity goes to the highest bidder. (laughs) And then eventually the life of, you know, the, the... A successful geisha is a geisha that has... Um, basically become the mistress of, like, yeah. a rich man. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's the epitome of success. That's when you've won being a geisha. Yeah. And, and... So you climb the top of the geisha ladder. Yeah, like, that's, that's the goal, is yeah. to be set up for life because you've made yourself an indispensable mistress to some yeah. rich man. Okay. I, so that, so it... So uh, but, like I say, this is all from... Reading a book and and a film that is not necessarily entirely accurate. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Even just taking that as like a rough concept of what it is, which is you know, you know, you can't um, do wholly because, as you say, it's not written. But but like that kind of idea or concept is um, awful. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I see that as as like. That to me, I'd see that as the geisha being submissive to them. Like the man has all the power in that yeah, situation. They're absolutely. for the attentions of the rich men who, who can, can therefore look have you as life. a possession. Yeah. That's who why they could choose to discard that. at any point exactly. if they chose to. It's just, and, and it's funny because Ling is such a like it's a weird depiction because as you say they give her shades of this geisha like um culture yeah but she's not submissive she's not there for she's not there to to be dominated or controlled by any man no she does like to look pretty she does like to be seen as competent in things and like i guess look good on the arm of someone if she's in a relationship with them but that's not like her her but she goal. would also she wants to look good for her as well. Do you know what I mean? But it's that thing of like she would also want the guy on her arm to, to look, look good. good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's funny because there's this like weird um, like juxtaposition of these kind of geisha esque elements that the show plays up yeah. versus Ling's actual personality, yeah. which is not at all. Yeah, like it that. just uh, which is like uh, elements that are only there because of the race that she is. Yes, exactly. And it and it. And that's the problem. Exactly. So I think there is definitely room for 
ling in modern TV if you kind of strip away all that got rid of all the rubbish that comes with her race yeah. that they've put there. Yeah. Like the, the stereotypes that they've yeah. decided to layer on top the of The vicious, her. the weird sex ceremonies. Yeah. Like, that's just... Yeah. Not done in a helpful way. No, no. Um, but, yeah. But yes. But Ling generally is a character without that stuff. Yeah. I love. And I think Lucy Liu particularly it's has a great. lot... Needs to take a lot of credit for bringing that side of it to life. Yes. Because I think without her portrayal is what saves Ling. Yes. As a character, in my opinion. I agree. Um, next question. Do you ladies feel that Greg should have got a second chance dating Ali? Do you feel that Greg should have got a... Se- well, he did get a second... Ch- he got loads of chances and well, she fucked them up. I feel like it's not that <laughs> Greg was given a second chance. It's that Ali managed to negotiate her having a second chance like Greg didn't do anything wrong Wrong. just for clarity yeah Greg is the innocent in all of this yeah no she like Ali got numerous chances with Greg and fucked it up yeah so no I think Greg is fully correct to be like well I'm done with you bye 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 (laughs) yeah so no I think Greg is better off without Ali Ali doesn't deserve him no why is Ali high maintenance when it comes to dating? Because she's got a very damaging ideas in her head about what romance and love is and what meeting your soulmate is supposed to look like, how that's supposed to feel. And she's just got a very fixed idea and anything that doesn't fit that, she rejects. Because it, well, that's not how I'm supposed to meet that person. I already know how I'm supposed to meet my, that person. And it's not like this, so... Well, that's interesting, because the second question that Zach has after that, the following question, is why is she so specific when it comes to relationships and dating and how For things that. are supposed to be? Yeah. But I also think another reason why she's high maintenance is because she's completely self-absorbed yeah. and has no empathy for someone else's situation, or very little. Like, it takes a lot to kick her into actually seeing things from another person's another point of view. Point of view yeah. um, she will always focus on herself yeah. first. And I'm not saying that you should completely forego thinking about yourself when you're dating someone else, because obviously you don't want to just live in no, service get someone lost else. in someone else. But yeah. you have to have a certain amount of, like, yeah. you know, caring about what someone <laughs> else is going through as well, rather than making everything. She continually makes everything, whether it's relationships or just her friendships, about or work about yeah, her about her and her like what does it say about me though <laughs> and like a lot of it of course is going to be because the show is written that way because the show is about her so I think part of it, it suffers from the fact that David E. Kelly wants to turn everything back into something that's related to Ali because it's got her name on the title yeah. of the show but it doesn't make for a great which character is a weird, trait. Which is a weird, like, rule to put in place for your character. Gosh. Like, I don't... Because it quite... just makes her come across as completely unlikable. Self-absorbed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So, I think that's... Those are the two main reasons. Yeah. Um, and then the final question Zach has is, why wouldn't she just do online dating instead of dating in the real world? 
And I think because online dating wasn't, wasn't a really thing. a thing. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Do you not remember? Like, was it the first season where they had like videotapes that they were yes. putting? In? I mean, yes. my god, that's like the precursor. Like, that's those were the options. Act like, yes. <laughs> like that. It was, remember... We did not have Tinder. <laughs> no, so online dating was a thing once the internet kind of started but it took a long time certainly in the UK I don't know what it was like in the US and what the kind of timelines were for this but in the UK it took a terribly long time to become accepted as a mainstream way to meet someone and not weird or dangerous yeah you know to meet someone there was definitely a stigma like stranger danger type thing but also kind of like oh what's wrong with you yeah why can't can't you just meet someone someone normally yeah like there was yeah there was a real and i really remember that all the way up until um it must have been the year that russ and i got together which was 2011 i remember one of my friends being like um, she'd broken up with her like long term boyfriend the year before, and she was like just thinking about like having to meet someone else kind mm. of thing. And we were in our mid twenties, so it was like we were we were we weren't students anymore, no. so we couldn't just go out go and have fun all the time. Like we were busy, yeah, yeah. we had work, like we were starting to care about our careers. We were we'd moved into kind of positions where we weren't like entry level anymore. We actually had some responsibilities, and like yeah. had to, couldn't go out and get pissed every night because no. you had to function the next day. Yeah and care about it so it was harder unless you're meeting someone at work which is where she'd met her previous boyfriend yeah. or you know you've got a club that you go to like a like a hobby type club yeah. or something it's, it's like where do you meet people yeah, exactly. and she was saying to me and this was just before the apps kind of came out like the tinder and yeah. stuff she was like oh i've got so there's a um a paper in the uk called guardian and people read it across the world so i'm not sure why i'm acting like it's like this big revelation like, have you heard of the guardian, the guardian. Um, but yeah there was they have i don't know if they still do but they used to have a section of the paper that was called guardian soulmates oh, where right. you could it was like a personal ad yes. so you'd be like i'm looking for yeah. female good sense of humor like yes. that kind of thing or male or whatever like um and they um kind of and when you put that out there people can write yeah. in and they had an online version of it at yes. that time and she was saying, oh, I'm, I've signed up to that. And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, because if she'd said that, like, a few years before, I would have been like, well, that's bloody weird. Like, yeah. can I just meet someone? But then I was like, okay, fine. And then the apps started becoming, like, super mainstream. Yes. And Russ and I had just got together yeah. when that happened. And I think the fact that it's on your phone it's and it feels really, like, felt like a social yeah. network and it just, it was just so much more, like, the barrier to entry was so low. Yeah. Um, and I think and more and more people started doing it it, it totally, totally made, made, yeah. made it like well, why wouldn't you of course that makes sense it's so efficient like yeah. you have to go out and like find someone who's like doll yourself you. up to yeah. go out you, to then find you it, find yeah. someone first and then you go on a date yeah, like yeah, surely yeah. this is a good use of this time this is much more yeah. efficient um, and it just made total sense when yeah. there was it was those uh, it must have been so 2011 2000 I don't know when Tinder first started but it was those kind of days it was like those were the days of like well there's an app for that you yeah. know an app for everything so yeah. it was like the perfect time for yeah. people to be like really jump on board yeah and I missed it completely because Russ and I got together in two, at the end of 2011 and I was like oh okay yeah same like <laughs> I got with like Liam sort of yeah in 2011 kind of sort of mid yeah, it that But that it's really weird that I remember having that passed. conversation with my friend. Like, she's like, oh, I'm joining Guardian Soulmates. And I remember thinking, like, 
huh, I guess that's not weird anymore. Yeah. But before then... But before then... You were a weirdo. Yeah. If you did that. Like, so I totally see there why Ali... There was something Ali, wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, there was yeah. a stigma to it. And especially because so, Ali's like, well, I can't possibly tell my grandchildren we met on Tinder. She would you know? die of shame. <laughs> like, it would be completely just... No, we need to make up a new story as to how we met because yeah. this can't be our meeting story. It can't be our origin story. <laughs> exactly. No, thank you. So funny. Oh, right. Well, thank you for your questions, Zach. They were good. Um, and we're now going to move on to Benji's question. Um, oh, well, he's got a few comments and questions, actually, so we can okay. maybe just discuss them. He says, um, my favourite episode of season two was definitely Angels and Blimps. Okay. So emotional, but also Ling is hilarious. Yes. I would agree with that. Like, yeah. Angels and Blimps was a uh, uh, fun um, episode. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yes. At the same time. Yeah. But I did think that that was where I really started to fall in love with Ling as yeah. a character. Yeah. Like yeah. Lucy Liu in that scene it's where she runs out in the hospital and she like yeah. breaks down by the ambulance. It was just cut me to my core. No, in so a way bad. that Ali losing her shit over like, well, I guess there's not a god then, is like, you're just like, that's how, <laughs> that's how you do it. Like, not like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Benny says that his least favourite episode was the episode where John uses the clapping monkey. Um, uh, it's just vile, and yeah. him playing with Renee's knee pit is incredibly predatory. I think we also yes. picked up on that. And I can't believe the thing that shocked the most shocking to me about the episode is that I didn't pick up on it the first time round. No. Like, I don't, that doesn't stick out to me as no. a thing that I watched and put the context together about why that monkey was an issue. But I also think, like, it shocks me that our parents didn't right. think anything of it either. Right? Like, because if I was sat with my children watching that show, I would immediately want to have a conversation about, okay, so that's not acceptable because racism is a thing and one of the things that black people have to deal with are comparisons to monkeys like and it's yeah, atrocious and what john just did is atrocious but i just wonder whether it went i don't know whether that's because it went over their heads it went over people's heads i don't know i really don't know why are you whispering i don't know they <laughs> <laughs> might be like I don't know. I think Have they, they stopped. stopped? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God, guys. Dad still listens to my food one. He might at some point catch Oh, because you're the yeah. favourite daughter, that's why. <laughs> that's not true. Um, he just likes food uh, and cooking, so yeah. Um, but no, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I do think, I mean, I don't know whether they look back and just think, well, I didn't even bloody notice. I didn't mean, even. Yeah. yeah, I think this is the thing is that. I think a lot of white people just walked around oblivious. completely fucking oblivious. Yeah. Like, not having to consider what... I, I think they just had a very set idea of what, like, these are X behaviours that constitutes racism. So writing racial slurs or calling someone a racial slur. That's Bad. racism. Yeah. Bad, don't do it. Like... Um, People don't like it don't when you do that. You are very unpopular <laughs> if you do that. Like, the... the uh, And I think, like... Uh, the all the uh, What we would well, call microaggressions. Yeah. I wouldn't now. say having a clapping No, I don't think that is a microaggression. But, but I guess you have to piece together, like, huh, monkey... 
huh, don't black people get cool monkeys sometimes? <laughs> yeah. Huh, that's bad. Is, is that bad? Does that get a bad column? <laughs> maybe he didn't do it. I mean, maybe he didn't maybe mean it like that. No, like, maybe he doesn't, yeah. I mean, maybe he just happens to have a monkey. It's possible he's never heard of, you know, this this racial stereotype. And, and we can't maybe tell him that it's wrong because if he didn't mean it, then, you know, that's just making it him look bad. doesn't feel like that would be his intention. Like, and if his intentions are good, then we can't really blame him for anything. I've never heard John use a racial slur, so he can't be racist. He can't be racist. He likes Renee. Can't be racist. (laughs) Maybe he just really likes monkeys. (laughs) Creepy clapping ones at that. So I do think that was like the weird logic going on in people's brains. Yeah, like the mental like that people just To excuse terrible behaviour. Yeah, absolutely, completely. Because we saw that with the Danny Baker thing, which we mentioned in that episode. Which was not long ago at all. It was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when Archie was born. Complete, like, deny, deny, deny. Absolutely didn't realise, didn't realise, didn't didn't mean it like that. Yeah, exactly, just this kind of, and it's just like, who are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Like, are you dumb? I don't understand (laughs) how you could possibly claim that with a straight face. I just think ignorance and willful ignorance is not an excuse. And always wanting to give other white people the benefit of the doubt. Always, always, always. Well, Change will not happen if we yeah. keep doing that. Yeah. You have to be better and you have to be willing to be pulled up on that shit, even if you didn't realise. Yeah, it's it, okay. No, we're now making yeah. you realise. Yeah. Um, so, so that it doesn't happen now again. Now you know better. Yeah. Please try and do better. Don't just go, well, I didn't realise, so... So you're not allowed to get yeah, Don't criticise <laughs> me. Like, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. Awful, terrible, and yeah, and you picked up on the fact that uh, the fact that that happens in the same episode, episode as Renee yeah. and her knee pit was very just, uncomfortable. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, but yeah, um, so Benji goes on to say, season two surprised me too. It got all the awards and hype, but after several rewatches, I think season three is better. I won't spoil anything, but it's definitely funnier and also more emotional in some places. I, um, obviously we haven't re-watched season three yet no. uh, for this uh, rewatch, but um, I would agree. My major feeling coming out of season two is like, oh, yeah, that wasn't as good Same. as I remember. Same. Yeah. Like there were good bits that I remember, was looking forward to, like the introduction of Nell and Ling as characters. Mm. Great. Mm. Barry White. Great. There mm. were like moments that I was like anticipating from my yeah. memory that I was like, oh, I can't wait to get to that bit. Yeah. But my overwhelming feeling at the end of episode, uh, episode two, season two, yeah. was just kind of like, huh, is that it? Like, yes. I thought it was going to be... More. I thought there was more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought it was more here to enjoy. I agree. I think... I don't think it helps that it ends on a really kind of down terrible note. Terrible finale. Um, Absolutely yeah, terrible. Really down note. Uh, I, and I... I, I don't think... know whether David E. Kelly ran out of time because he was so busy working on like all his other shows and he was just like, well, this will do. She had a, a meltdown. The like end. the night before, right? Fairground, yeah. done. Yeah. Wistful smile. Get Al Green in there. I think, um, yeah, I... I I think also the reason season two doesn't land maybe as well as it did 
in when it was first being watched is the whole kind of the the cattiness between yes. all the women at the beginning yes. and the real kind of hate. I got like, so tired the, of that. Exactly. And I think in the 90s when this first played, that would have been seen as like uber funny and like <laughs> the women are are being women. <laughs> Them doing women things, like bitches, like, uh, bitches be bitches, and we love to see it, and we love to see it. Like, and I I do think, like, that would have been considered fun and funny, and like, uh, and I think nowadays, when you know, we're watching it, it's just kind of like super exhausting, yeah, and just like. Okay, I'm so bored of this joke now. You have to. It wasn't even funny the like, first time. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, but you have like done it to death. Yeah. Like, um. I just want them to get along. Exactly. So I think, yeah, that was a big kind of negative in yeah. that seasons. And it's funny because there's some there's a weird assumption that. Um, you know, you have to have characters pitted against each other in order for a show to be interesting. Mm. I wouldn't say that that's necessarily true. I think you do have to have some kind of adversity or like nemesis. You have to have some kind of tension. But you don't have to have them be like out and out shitty to each other. Um, If I look at some of the things that I've... For like no good reason. No. There was no good reason for it. Yeah, like the motivations for the characters made no sense. But if I look at some of my favourite shows of recent years, so like The Good Place or Derry Girls or the core group of characters are friends to the end. Yeah. Like, yes, they've had their, like, little disagreements and ups and downs, but the main tension comes from outside that core group because you want to see them succeed as a group. You want to see them... Yeah, I mean, but even when, like... So I've been a big fan of BoJack Horseman and and that is all about a really flawed character who is super selfish, super self-absorbed. Yeah. And it's... And narcissistic and self-destructive, self-loathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you really see like the ebb and flow of his relationships with the other characters around him, like his friends, and how they are like. The, uh, uh, but it's that thing of like when they're fighting or when they're not talking, it makes sense. There's it a, makes yeah, sense that life. they are yeah. falling out yeah. because he's done a shitty thing yeah. and they are not happy about yeah. it and they are going to hold him accountable for yeah. it. So, and, and then it. he has yeah. to, like, yeah, it makes emotional sense. Yeah. This, where women are just hating each other because, because they're, they're, women. they're women in a, in a small space is just like nonsense absolute bullshit it yeah. makes no emotional sense where this hatred comes from and it, it, and it is just, it's, it it's just true. a stereotype it it's just true. a stereotype that women can't hang out together because they will always revert to some instinctual bitchiness because yeah. we're all desperately clambering for male attention yeah, yeah, yeah. so therefore yeah. we cannot inherently we can't get along it's yeah. just not it's hardwired into our DNA not to get on with other women. And it's just bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And it holds women back, that attitude. And that's why it upset me. Yeah, absolutely. 
so now uh, uh, Benji has some questions. He says, are you currently watching anything that got your interest as much as Ali did the first time around? For me, it's definitely sex education on Netflix. I would say the thing that's probably grabbed my attention um, in a similar way is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I absolutely adore. And um, the third season has just, I mean, it's a bit different to what it was in the days when Ali first came out because you had to like wait each week yes. <laughs> for the next episode. So yes. your attention was sustained for that much longer, like the course of an entire year, basically almost. Um, yes, but whereas, whereas these days the I'm like, oh, dog. I can watch the entire season <laughs> in one weekend. Excellent. And I will. <laughs> yeah. But I am really loving Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. If you haven't watched it, you should pick it up. It's yeah, I think I'm just looking at my Netflix now. Um, I do think, Bojack Horseman. That's just finished, hasn't it? It has yeah. just finished, and I absolutely adored it. It was so. It's it's definitely not an outright comedy. It's like a comedy drama, and it it it's just. It really does not shy away from like the complexity of life and the complexity of the human condition and. And just like it, re it explores psychological yeah problems. It explores societal problems. Yeah. it is super smart and so uh, it was just brilliant. The way I yeah. mean, I watched the finale like on Thursday. Yeah, so this is a couple of days ago, and it it just yeah, it was absolutely brilliant and really like made me laugh made me cry like the yeah. whole show was yeah. fantastic and I, yeah I've it was I can't think of another show right now that has ticked so many things like yeah. in terms of its brilliance yeah so I um yeah I oh. think that well, I was very sad that it ended but it's nice when shows get it to ended end on well. the own terms yeah you know, it ended nice. well so because it ended like I won't say how it ended. No. So, no. But it, I liked the ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Ali's merit as a lawyer seems to be questioned a bit this season, e.g. Richard in Civil War <laughs> saying she's not very good. Nell also does this in season five. Um, I'm not sure whether he means season five or episode five, but possibly season five, I don't know. Sure. Anyway, um, boozy lunches with Renee notwithstanding. <laughs> Do you think this is fair? Bearing in mind she does seem to get quite passionate about her client situations at times and she has won a fair share of cases. Um, I think Ali has... Ali, shit at law, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> I think Ali has the potential to be a great, a truly great lawyer. But I don't, I think she gets too invested, you know, when he says, like, she gets passionate about her clients, like, yeah, but sometimes too, in too a much. wrong way, in, <laughs> a, in, in her own way, in a detrimental way, <laughs> yeah. like, and I feel like sometimes she's, uh, um, you know, when people have empathy, um, and they really feel what people are going through, yeah, um, and that's, most of the time a good thing, probably not for their mental health, but like it really gives them an insight into what they're, the person that they're working with or, you know, in a job context uh, is going through. So it means that they're able to work better for them, with them, whatever. Yeah. I would say Ali, she's able to understand what they're going through, but only because she's like, 
yeah. to somehow make no, it about her. But, but like she adopts it as like an issue but about is, her. But that is like the 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 trap of being an empath. And yeah. I'm I'm someone that I do consider myself like super empathetic, but I recognise that it's a double edged sword. sword. Yeah. Like you can't be so empathetic that it becomes about you. But the problem like, is, is I'm but that is like the full that is the is. The, the pitfall she she falls into well, all the time. But the problem is, is I wouldn't describe Ali as an empath. <laughs> I'd describe her as narcissistic. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think she's coming at it from a I love people and I can't stand to see people in pain type of perspective. She's like, why is this happening to me? Why have I now got to sort this out? This is all awful well, for me. You know, I, I think she does do that. But what she also does is she puts herself in that person's shoes and then will decide that she knows what's best for that person based on her understanding of their situation. Yes. And often it's a shit like like that what she thinks should happen is like not right. But she doesn't have the awareness to see when what she's doing is actually hurting that person more. Yes. Which is why I say that she's not empathetic feels like the wrong word, because empathetic to me seems like someone who feels someone else's pain and can tell just wants someone to be okay mm. or help them in some way. Mm. That's not what I get from Ali. I think but she likes think... to present it as that. But yeah. I feel like it's almost it's like empathy, like n- narcissism dressed up in empathetic clothing. Yeah, you know maybe. What I, mean? I think, I think, I just, I know from my, like, I know that I can get super in the shoes of someone else and be like... Be smell. <laughs> <laughs> and be, and get super upset. Yeah. And be like, oh my God, that's terrible. And like yeah. cry. And, yeah. and then I have to step back and go, okay, but it's not actually happening to you. So you yeah. need to calm down because it's not appropriate that you're a mess while they're stood yeah. there <laughs> being like, are you okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your life is just so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, you need to like... And have some awareness. Yeah, have some awareness that... Okay, yeah, sometimes things are sad, but, but I you think can't your make ability it. to do that is what makes you more empathetic because you're like, this isn't helping them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Whereas Ali doesn't she doesn't have that. she doesn't have that thing that goes, Okay, but remember this isn't about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you need to stop doing this, what you're doing. So uh, that's why yeah. I would describe her as empathetic. Yeah. I just think she's yeah. empathetic. <laughs> I think she's just very she she it, herself is her favourite subject. Oh, like, for sure, <laughs> but that's not an end. But I think she if she could if she could st- because what I don't like is when she gets a bee in her bonnet about how the situation should resolve mm. and how that mm. what that person should do and get inside and, and, it such and tries to, to manoeuvre yeah. that happening. Even when it's a terrible idea yeah. and it doesn't make any sense and it's literally, she's just decided you're in love or she's just decided you're not in love. Like, yeah. she just, she thinks she knows more than she actually does yeah. and then decides that it should end up this way and then tries to, like you say, engineer it. And I wish she would stop doing that because mm. it's 
not making anyone place. happy. It's not her place. Like, and it's actually like, you should be putting this energy into being a good lawyer. Well, this is the thing, that stuff doesn't make her a good lawyer because she doesn't actually listen half the time to what her clients actually want. No, she just tries to persuade them as to what she thinks they should want. And I know some of the time as a lawyer, you're there to kind of advise, a cl- like a client won't be able to see all of the implications of some like of the decisions they're making. Yeah. So you're there to be like, no, but it, actually if you make that decision, that's probably not the best thing for you because yeah. it will cause X, Y, Z. But she doesn't do that in an impartial way. She doesn't do that in a helpful I don't think, way. <laughs> I don't think she is objective, and no. especially when it comes to love. And that's that's the big downfall as a lawyer. Yeah, you absolutely have to have that. Exactly. I I think she fight she she doesn't know how to be objective when it comes to certain subjects. Yeah. She just has a a view on it that she can that cannot be swayed. Yeah. And she lets it interfere with her being a lawyer. But I mean, the, the things that she does have going for her as a lawyer is that, as you say, when she has adopted the outcome of a case as something that she feels she cares about. She can make some incredibly passionate and articulate speeches. Yeah. At closings, you know, Absolutely, arguments. really persuasive. Um, which is great. Yeah. Like, she's done some really good work. In yeah. The so I don't think it's fair to say she's terrible. No, she's not I think terrible. when she puts her mind to it and she's um, clear about what she's trying to get out of the, the court case, and that aligns with what the client actually wants as well. Yeah. That's where the magic can Absolutely, happen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think some of her biggest downfalls is she spends so much time not doing work. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a problem. Yeah. Like, if you're, yeah. you know, a, a, a law firm that needs yeah. to kind of generate revenue. Yes. Not doing any work to do that <laughs> is going to be an issue. I think that's a problem as well. Like... I think, and also, I think when Richard goes, like, oh, she's not a good lawyer, all this kind of thing, I do think it is pure bants on Richard's part. Yeah, I think... I don't... I think if he if genuinely thought she, she was, was bad terrible, and wasn't bringing him in money, yeah. he'd fire her. Yeah. Like, he'd be like, sorry, you're out, bygones. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think she's... What would you grade her as, as a... If you were grading her as a teacher, uh, being a lawyer? Uh... B? A B, yeah. yeah. I think B. Room for room B. Room <laughs> B, yeah. Um, if you had to get rid of one character in order to free up story time for other characters, who would it be? I know some characters are absolutely vile, one in particular, but maybe they're also necessary for the story at times. Who would you get rid of? Mm, I think Richard. Aww. Just how I feel. <laughs> I guess thinking of the core set. Yeah, like I feel like I think yeah, Billy is terrible, but like you say, like you, he provides the, the yeah, like the adversity that they have to overcome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Richard is just uh, he's mostly unnecessary to he's proceedings. comic relief, but then sometimes that comedy these days would does fall not flat. land, and I think he's actually someone that on the whole does more harm than good. I think if you asked me at the end of the season one, end of the season one, um, I would have struggled to find an answer because I actually think it was quite a good balance of characters. But these days, I actually think based on what David E. Kelly's done with the characters over the course of the season, I think Georgia wasn't doing anything for a lot of it. I didn't miss it. I mean, oh, no, I, missed I, it. I missed it in the sense of like, 
I wish they, like, her relationship with Ali in the first season was one of the most interesting things about the season because it was just such a different way of portraying, like, the wife of the ex-boyfriend. Yeah. It was very refreshing. Yeah. And I really enjoyed their friendship. Yes. But there, that kind of went south once she kissed Billy, which of course understood. would yeah um, but like then Georgia didn't really have a lot to do but and then it was I like, think that that is that's David E. Kelly's fault like I is. feel like sh- he could do so much more with Georgia and he doesn't yeah and but that means that when I'm looking at characters that you could get rid of and I don't think it would affect the show that much she's one of them and I don't think that's her fault as she said I think it's the way she's written whereas I feel like Richard, he does a lot with him, and all of it is, most of it is not great. Right. I I feel like it's all just problematic, annoying comedy. Stuff you get rid of. Yeah, yeah, that he he doesn't actually add that much but to the show. John talk to John would talk to Ali. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Richard's voice has never really stood him in any kind of good stead. The one thing I keep saying over and over again is I wish he would stop taking Richard's Richard's advice. advice. Yeah. Like, because it's terrible. Like, I do think... Don't get me wrong. Who would run the weekly meetings? John, easy. (laughs) Like, it's super... Like, I just think he's just an ass. And I think, like, there's... You know, we I, haven't I, seen a lot of growth to his character no. in season two. Whereas in season one, we did start to get a bit of depth, but then they kind of once his relationship with Whipper broke down, it was like, oh, he just wants a fun surface level relationship with Ling. Yeah, and that's all we've seen. And it just, I'm not, I'm not all that invested in him as a character. Like, yeah, I think he's a shallow. He's shallow. Yeah, and. There's, but again, I feel like they could have done like there were glimmers of being able to do something more interesting with this character in season one, but they but just they didn't do. To. They David E. Kelly chose not to do anything about it and just settled for him yeah, being a comic being, relief. Being the comic relief, which is you know sometimes don't get me wrong, it's not like I never laugh at Richard. I do like he does. He does make funny jokes that are still funny today. Yeah, that I enjoy, but like. <sighs> I'd say percentages wise, yeah. <laughs> like on the whole, it's hard work watching Richard. Yeah. yeah, like in a way that I feel a lot of other characters, it's not. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Billy's a bell end, but at least he's got a bit more substance to him than yeah. Richard. Yeah, like he's a bit more interesting, bit more like. I just said that. <laughs> no, but he is. He is a bit more interesting. He is a good example of that kind of man. Yeah. Who thinks that they are progressive, who thinks that he is sensitive. Yeah. Modern man who is actually anything but. Yeah. And that and, is and, and thinks unpack. he's a nice guy. Yeah. Like, but is not. No. And I think that that is far more interesting to look at Although it's infuriating to watch sometimes because no one will hold him accountable yeah. to his shittiness. Yeah. Like, it, that at least is more interesting to watch than just a shallow Blind. idiot yeah. who cracks stupid jokes and has super anymore. offensive opinions simply because they're offensive. And that's where a lot of his comedy comes from, actually. Exactly. Just saying 
offensive things. Yeah, and being and like, you're all thinking it. Like, yeah. And it's just like, oh. Yeah, okay, yeah. you've sold me. Great. Um, <laughs> are there any storylines from season three that you vaguely remember which you're looking forward to revisiting? Uh, what happens with Billy and Georgia? I'm looking forward to seeing that play out. Yeah. Yeah, what happened to Billy? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember season three being very sexy. I, like, when I... Like, sex was on everyone's mind. Yes, I... I Sexually charged. I remember the car wash. Yes. And I remember, I remember thinking, like, as... Maybe I could have sex in a car wash. Oh, no, I just remember <laughs> thinking it was a super steamy... Uh, bulk fest uh, but, but just <laughs> super steamy like scene yeah that I that we've not seen on Annie McBeal before and I yeah I really kind of interested to see whether that yeah it, whether it was just like my 13 year old self or however old I was at this point being like oh this is Hmm. <laughs> or whether it's like nowadays that it's like super tame like <laughs> whether it's just my memory of it <laughs> and also I don't remember what happens was the back half of the season um, because no. there's some cast changes and I don't know how that will impact the dynamic of the show I think that'll be quite interesting yeah. to kind of see play out so yeah I'm looking forward to seeing that I don't really know where season three goes at the end. No, I can't That's remember. That's the bit I can't remember. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to experiencing mm, that. I'm excited, though. Um, your knowledge and appreciation... Oh, this is from Benji. I'm not just saying this. <laughs> just saying this generally to me. It says, um, your knowledge and appreciation for 90s to early 2000s pop culture is exquisite. And if I could just have that on my tombstone when I die, I would be very happy because that's all I ever want to aim for. All I ever ask for. Oh, it's so good. I was so happy when I read that. Uh, (laughs) Um, And Benji says, what is your favourite album from that era? And what do you think is the defining moment of late 90s pop culture? What is your favourite album from that era? What, 90s into the early 2000s? Yes. Oh, crikey. I'm going to have to Google when one of these came out because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, um, I think... <laughs> so I think, like, um, looking back, uh, my absolute favourite would be Lauren Hill and yes. Miseducation of I Lauren agree. Hill. Yes. But that is looking back that because I only really discovered like I remember like doo-wop that thing yeah. like from the time and liking it. Yeah. But at the time I wasn't when it came out I wasn't into it. Oh, I loved it. But uh, like at a later date yeah. I got into it and now absolutely love it. I listened to that album it. like back to back when I was like it, yeah. yeah it was it's a brilliant album yeah. but at the time I didn't appreciate it, it was well only you were a little later. bit younger so exactly yeah. yeah but I think at the time I think I'm trying to think my favourite albums were probably like uh, Destiny's Child Independent oh yeah Woman. you had that yeah yeah I yeah. had that yeah. one I had like uh, oh, I really liked the second All Saints album. Yes, I remember uh, that. I really. What was that called? Was it? What At was Pure that? Shores. Was it called Pure Shores? 
Oh, that was the lead single, wasn't it? It was so, the lead single, uh, but I don't Saints. know whether it was... Was it Saints and Sinners? Saints and Sinners. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to think what else. I, yeah. I Those are the two wait. that are kind of like sticking out in my but brain. Another. Yeah. The iconic album. Yeah. Was Seven by S Club Seven. <laughs> We always used to have that in the yes. car on family holidays. Yes. So I like know all the songs yes. like front to back, yes. back to front. Yeah. We used to yeah. sing along like blaring yeah. out the window. Yeah. But, uh, all of them. The colour of blue reminds me of you. <laughs> what else was on there? There was um, Natural. Uh, oh, that, I still love that today. Yeah, I still got that on my Spotify. A good song. So underrated. Uh, uh, Obviously, so it started with Reach. To me. But also... Which is my least favourite of that song. driving through Europe on holiday being like yeah we're an S Club 7 fan family <laughs> <laughs> deal with it see I always think of like Nina Simone album and and Simon and Garfunkel Mamas album and yeah Mamas and Papas yeah. like when I they always remind me of no. driving on holiday Seven. oh that's hilarious funny. <laughs> um, what do you think was the um, defining moment of late 90s pop culture the defining moment of late 90s pop culture. For me, up there has to be Jerry at the Brit Awards in her Brit uh, Union Jack dress. Yeah. I remember that being yeah, like a big thing. And also, thing. when she left the Spice Girls, yeah, that, that was, was huge for me. Like, I just, because I remember watching the National Lottery and being like, I can take that breakup. Oh, that was mid 90s. That, that was mid. That was like 96. Okay. Okay. I. I think the also the emergence of Britney Spears. <gasps> yeah. I think that was super iconic. Yes. Like was like a game changer. Yeah. Like to pop music. Yeah. Like something it wasn't boy bands. Anymore. No. Well, Spice Girls I think was the precursor to some of that. But yeah, yeah. I you think... suddenly got this run of like female singers that all kind of fit singers. the same yeah. mold, like the Christina Aguilera, the Mandy Moore, the Jessica, Jessica Simpson. Simpson. Yeah. yeah, like all of that. Um, yeah, I remember yeah, that being I think that really was big. a really, uh, yeah, I think um, a seminal moment for yeah. a lot of like teenage boys and girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A bit like the, um, you know, Hit Me Baby One More Time video was yes. like huge. Yeah. And people Everybody dressing up as it. Britney Spears, like, yeah. I dressed up as Britney Spears in that video one year for week. <laughs> it was great. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's all of our questions. Yeah. So thank you, uh, Benji and Zach, for sending those through. And the rest Cheers, of you, try harder next time. <laughs> we want your questions. Um, so all that 
remains is for us to read out some of your lovely reviews that you've sent us through the course of the last year. We've checked our last, we've done a quick scan for our last mailbag episode and we don't, um, I don't think we read any reviews out no. last, um, like six months ago. So I'm just going to do the ones that we've had since we started season two. Two. Um, so the first one is from Justine, who I do pod appetite with. Um, she says, I don't object. Bring <laughs> your dancing baby butt over to Bygones, the Annie McBeal podcast, because you won't regret it. Love Annie McBeal, never seen it, doesn't matter. The ladies are bringing it to you through the modern lens, all with lovely, lovely British accents. The <laughs> 90s were very problematic. This show isn't. Subscribe. Aww. Um, so Benji sent us a review saying, love this. Uh, so glad to have found an Ali podcast, especially one that's so good. Please, please keep going with this. I love your discussions. Ah, thank you. Um, L13477 says, fabulous. I have just discovered this podcast. I love it. So much fun and laughter, especially for this Ali fan. Keep up the good work, ladies. We'll be binge listening until I catch up to current. I know the series so well that I don't need to watch the show. Thank you. Um, that was from L's in Australia, which is exciting. We don't get many listeners <laughs> from Australia. Mostly the US and uh, um, the UK. But happy to have you on board, and I hope you're still yes. listening. This one is from uh, Kay Britt. <laughs> I'm drawn to it. Um, I can't believe I haven't already reviewed Bygones. I love hearing Laura Jane and Eleanor discuss Ali McBeal in the 90s, especially since we're about the same age. It's great to revisit the show as an adult and hear other women's thoughts on it since I only had my grandma to talk about it with as a young teen. The host banter is anything but sub-zero. Keep it up, ladies. <laughs> Well, I hope it's not sub-zero. That's what we aim for. Um, Eileen Marathon um, in the US says, best way to view Ali McBeal. Wow, these sisters are so funny and lovely and insightful. I couldn't quite figure out why I both loved and hated Ali McBeal when I watched it during its first run, but they have nailed it. Lots of troublesome things in the show, but boy, do they make it funny. I'm from the States and I really love my favourite Brit's points of view. All the funny little asides and regular features within each review, plus their special editions like Mailbag, just really add to the fun. I savour, or as the girls might write, savour with a U, <laughs> these podcasts, because I really hate when it's over. No matter how you felt about Annie McBeal, you really have to listen to this. Simply wonderful and five stars aren't enough. Aww, Aww, I mean, <laughs> So Dean Girl Forever 85 has said, I love Ali McBeal. I love this podcast. It's so awesome to finally find one about this great show from the 90s. Looking forward to hearing more from you ladies. I can't wait for y'all to talk about... Sorry, I can't say y'all with a British accent. It sounds... I can't wait for y'all. <laughs> sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I can't wait for y'all uh, to talk about season four because that was my favourite season. Uh, plus, Robert Downey Jr. was great too. Yes. Never liked Billy either. And even though the show wasn't perfect, but I still enjoyed it even now. Yeah. And then finally, um, a British review by Crafty Mot Mot um, that says, So relatable. Revisiting the series after two decades and loving the accompaniment of these two ladies and their spot-on podcast episodes. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Cheers, Thank guys. you to everyone who sent us in a review. Um, it really does help people find the show, so I'm told, on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't left us a review and you have been listening to us, from the beginning, if you've just started, whatever, and you obviously, if you enjoy us, um, please do leave a review because A, we'll read it out at some point, and B, um, you know, it helps people find the show and realise that 
we're not half bad. Do <laughs> what? Oh, all right. Um, oh, we forgot to mention actually one big thing that happened this year. What? Annie McBeal became Kate available <laughs> in the UK on Amazon yeah, Prime. Yeah. I have to say, guys, that's where most of our download numbers have come from this year because as soon and I knew this would happen, but yeah. as soon as it became available on Amazon Prime and people started watching it in the UK yeah. again and re, re kind of. Discovering it, it. Yeah. our download numbers just suddenly like shot up from yes. the UK. Yeah. Um. So I'm really pleased and welcome to anyone who's discovered it since um, they put it on Amazon Prime in I think it was November last year. It was really like we saw a massive uptick. Yeah. But, yeah. Um. So glad to have you on board. Hope you're getting months. caught up. Um. <laughs> and yeah, basically not long till season three now. Yeah. A couple of weeks and we'll be right back at you. Um, keep an eye out on our social media because we'll be announcing um, all of uh, when you can expect the new episodes and stuff and there'll be some hopefully if I can pull my finger out some countdown to season three maybe some new clothes for our social media profiles (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah lots more fun to come in season three we're looking forward to it absolutely so until then we're off to get our 2020 eyeballs fitted installed (laughs) till next time Bye, Bye, Bonds! It's been a long time, girl, but I keep on waiting.